Let's uh, pray again. Dear Father, we are so blessed to you. We thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. I'm just I'm sitting here thinking that we're going through these prayer requests, how wonderful it is that we can bring these issues to you and how wonderful it is that we can trust you. We were talking about the well. That's something that's taken a lot longer than we would like. And yet we know that you never make a mistake and that you're perfect. You're willing to it. And your planning is not haphazard. And so uh, we just, we are anxious to see what you're going to do. And we do pray for the fracking to be successful and even more than successful to give an abundance of, of water. Um, but we thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that we can come. And this morning as we are, are gonna be looking at your word in the book of Colossians, kind of talking about putting off the old man, and dealing with sin in our lives. You are so good to tell us these things and to help us to see the stuff in our lives that's kind of a, needs fracking, needs cleaning, needs uh, clearing up. And so I pray that this morning that your word would be clear, that your spirit would be working in my heart, that you would help get rid of the clutter, and that Jesus Christ would be exalted and magnified and lifted up. And we we just pray that your will would be done with each one of us. And I do ask that it will be the Lord Jesus that's exalted this morning. And I pray in his name for thanksgiving. Amen. Well, we've been looking at the uh, book of Colossians. We're in verses five through nine. And uh, we've talked about that little section as having two lists of items that we want to get rid of in our in our lives. The first list, we call them um, earthly passions or whatever. Three, oh yeah, chapter three, did I say chapter two? You can say chapter Oh, okay, chapter three. And uh, we've got two lists in there. The first one, let me read beginning in verse five in Colossians three. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body, this Paul writing, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. That's the first list. He goes on to say on account of these things, God's wrath is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them also, you also once walked, whether you, when you were living in them, but now you also lay aside, and here's the second list, lay aside wrath and anger and malice and slander and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with his practices. Now I was thinking about this, kind of to bring this to a conclusion, I was thinking about this, and the fact that Paul is dealing here with some of the issues that sort of surface from the religious movement, we we called it the world, the work of the Gnostics or Gnosticism. And uh, they are, the Gnostics, they had a system of, of uh, mystical disciplines that they would go through that some of them felt they were elevated to a higher level, even a level higher than the apostles and that they carried uh, weight supposedly or wanted to carry weight 
and influence of the church and having an, in, an input. And so Paul has been writing to kind of expose that. If you back up to chapter two, you'll notice that there are several phrases there in verse <clears throat> chapter two, verse 16 says, let no one uh, judge you. In verse 18, let no one keep defrauding you. And uh, then he goes on down talking about different things. And he says in verse 20, uh, since you have died with Christ to the elemental principles of the world. So he's talking about here spiritual, I call it spiritual intimidation. And Paul is writing to the church and saying, don't let people threaten you or intimidate you into listening what they have to say. Uh, if, if you have come to Christ and you have submitted to him, if you have uh, died with him to the very basic principles of man-made religion then these things these things won't be tempting you that you that these are these come by way of man's ideas and man's wisdom not god's idea not god's wisdom and uh all rights further on down in that section in chapter two um he says near the end of verse 23 he says it talks about their one of the things that the Gnostics did, they had a severe treatment, kind of an aesthetic treatment of the body. They denied the body, even going to extreme measures of poverty, thinking that that would ex exalt some of them. And Paul says that this kind of abusive treatment, verse 23 near the end, uh, has no value against fleshly indulgence. That severe treatment of the body, legalistic treatments, doesn't control the flesh. And I'm sure you know that. I know that. I know that. And I pray that all the pray that all the time. Uh, I'm asking the Lord to help me with my with my lust and my self-centered ideas and my desires to do what I want to do and to put myself first. Uh, Jesus uh, in Luke 14 talks about the cost of discipleship, which means that that we love Him and put Him first before we do ourselves and our family. It doesn't mean we don't love our wives or our kids, but it means that that the priority of seeking to obey and love the Savior is a top priority. That's one reason why the gospel is not accepted by a lot of people. John says, talking about Jesus, uh, that light has come into the world, but men prefer darkness rather than light. And the reason is because the deeds are evil their deeds are self-centered and they know that if they're going to come to christ according to what he's been teaching there in luke for example they're going to have to put him first and they don't want to do that i know what that struggle is like and i'm sure that you as a believer know what that struggle is like too jesus said if anyone wants to come up to me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me so through this letter that paul is writing to the colossians He's, he tells them to keep seeking. He talked about the keep seeking, setting your mind, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand. This is an ongoing process in the Christian life of seeking the things above, of setting your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. And the reason is, is because we have, spiritually speaking, when we've come to Christ and we've embraced him, we have 
turn to him and put him first and we're dying to our own self passions, our own self goals, our own little and we all have them. If you think I'm a pastor and, and don't have them, you're mistaken. I do. I have those passions just like you do. But we die to our uh, own our life. And in fact, he goes on to say that your life is concealed or hidden with Christ in God. That we are so associated with him that there is a security in our relationship with him. We are concealed. We are hidden. We are united with him in fact the bible talks about our relationship as we are being we are seated with christ in glory that that we are with him there and so we are so privileged you know that's really the life of joy is the life that is surrendered to christ and puts him first that's where real purpose comes and i maybe i i ask myself and i don't always like the the, the to think about it but I asked myself, and I would ask you, do you have a purpose for living? Is your purpose bigger than just the weekend? I know that uh, <laughs> at work, where I work part-time as uh, a cashier at Lowe's, so take care of some of the expenses and stuff, and weekend comes, and inevitably I'll tell somebody, well, you have a nice weekend, and yeah, I've got a good weekend plan, and your whole life is wrapped up on your weekend plans. And and plans are important. And you want to do things with your family. I mean, you might be planning on taking a, a trip to, I don't know, Williamsburg or something like that, have a nice trip. And the plans are important, but your life, you want your life to be involved in something bigger than just the weekend plans. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so this, this, life that puts jesus first and really seeks to please him and i don't please him like i should mm. and and probably in fact i'm sure you don't either but i want to and that desire is there and that motivates me to do things that i wouldn't normally do for god's kingdom for god's work and yet i still find myself dragging my feet at times and wanting to do my my own thing so here's this passion that we are to die to self, and that's kind of what the, the verse has been telling us. There's this list of things here that that uh, permeate our lives, and these things are things that we can can uh, easily easily incorporate. Uh, things like sexual immorality, which they just flow out of our lives. Impurity, uh, impurity, deeds of the flesh. Uh, evil passions, evil desires, greed. These are the things in the first list. Let's look at the second list, and then we will finish up this, this passage uh, that we've been looking at for this morning. Uh, in verse 8, I've called them the belligerent things, and I... Let me just get my outline and see exactly how I worded that. Yeah, putting off the belligerent behavior of the old man we're not we're not finished with the topic but we're going to be following this up with putting on the godly behavior that should follow that but here are some of the things the first list were things sins kind of a passion of things that we talk about immorality and impurity and things of that nature that this list are things that at least in my thinking were somewhat 
belligerent and maybe even hostile. Um, he says, Paul writes and says, but now you also lay them all aside and then he lists wrath, anger, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with his evil desires. So here's this second list of things that deal with personal relationships and we are personal relationships are important. Uh, people ask me a lot at work, you know, why do you do that? And other than, I mean, is there, I don't know why they keep asking me that, but why are you doing this other than, than uh, I, I do get paycheck and they do, it helps to pay the expenses and things like that. But I also enjoy people. And I think people are important. I know they're important. And they're important to the Lord. I realize that uh, you're going to think, well, if you enjoy people, why don't you stay around and service for a while? That was a big thing that we talked about. <laughs> and uh, I could be funny and say, well, there are people everywhere else too, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. It is that you get. I don't want to be late for dinner, or whatever. But I will. I'm not going to rush right off. <laughs> Dory's got a timer over here. She can fishing uh, that. So, uh, but people are important, and the, the Lord loves people. He really does. Um, and yet, I've jokingly said that if you did, if it's if you didn't have to put up with the people, pastoring a church would be easy. <laughs> and because people sometimes are demanding, maybe. Uh, they take time, they take effort. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things my son's trying to tell me. Dad, you need to take time with people. And he's right. I know that. I know that. Uh, it's very obvious. It's, it's true. And people, and the Lord loves people. That's, he came to pay for the sins of people. And he loves people. And so we, we don't want to be too busy that we are too preoccupied that we don't have time for people not just people here in the church, but also like we were reading the thing from Teresa to spend time with that and, and uh, try to have an impact uh, for Christ. And, you know, you really can't have an impact by yourself, but you try to do what you can do in obedience as you understand the Lord's will and ask the Lord to use it. And he will. He'll use things like that. He's, he's so good. <clears throat> and uh, I really appreciate there are a lot of people in this church that have a good part, people that uh, call people and visit people that are not here or people that work with the kids or people that do things like that without me coming around and saying, did you call that person or can you write a letter to that person? Whatever. People do it because they love the Lord and they want to be involved in that. They're anxious to, to see God's name honored and glorified. And the Lord sees that. He knows that. And he's, he, he honors that. And so... Uh, let's look at just a couple of these things that, that uh, appear in this list, and we'll do it kind of quickly. Now, we did run through them quickly the other day on the way out, but I wanted to, to slow down a little bit them because I thought it was important. First of all, these are sins that he talks about laying aside, which is a way of taking off one uh, habit or practice or whatever and laying it aside and, and uh, trying to get rid of something in your life. Do you have something in your life that's a bad testimony? Do you have something in your life that that interrupts your fellowship um, or the desire of fellowship with the Lord? They, I have in my life, I have lots of things. I have to watch uh, what I put in my mind. Uh, I have to watch what I put in, what I look at on my cell phone. 
I have to uh, watch what I listen to, even at work. There are people, I have, there are people at work, so not everybody, I talk about the people, but there's some people that are very bitter, very uh, harsh in their evaluation of life. Uh, they, 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 uh, Jay, uh, Jay Brennan McGee would have said that they look like they've been weaned on a dill pickle, that they're kind of sour and that they, they don't have the joy and they always finding things to complain about. I have a guy that worked with it that way. And um, so I, I try not to, to be uh, harsh or agree with him or listen to that. I don't like that harsh. I mean, we can always find things to disagree with. We can always find things that that what we think are, are not right, a miscarriage of what is proper what is the, the right decorum to follow or whatever. We can always find those things. But um, it's better to be thankful uh, and and to be joyful about what's going on and to focus on the good side because God is good. He's given us, if we got what we deserve, <laughs> we may help. Amen. And so we, we have a lot. We really do have a Amen. lot to be thankful for. And God is a God of mercy. I, I, I say that I, I'm so thankful that he is a God of mercy, that he doesn't uh, hold me accountable and judge me for my sin without mercy. That uh, Yes, sin is in my life, and Satan has a lot of handles to accuse me of before the throne of God, but God is a God of mercy, and he brings those sins to my mind and my heart, First John 1, 9, we confess those things, and he is faithful. And just, just to forgive us those things and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad he is? Amen. Because that's our only hope. Yeah. And uh, I'm very thankful that he is. I, I know that he's working in my heart, even though there are times when it doesn't look like it. I know he's working in my heart. I know uh, we were studying, and I appreciate Pete's study uh, dealing with the Lord as our shepherd. And I appreciate that. I know that he's a good shepherd and he cares for us. And I, I love the passage in there, which talks about that Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me." That's a that's really a good indication that you belong to the Lord. If you know Him, if you know Him, you hear His voice, and you follow Him, seeking to follow Him. That's really important. So here is this this these things here that are we are to put on. That's what it says to to or to take off. Rather, here are things in our lives that do not reflect the heart of one who loves Jesus as much as they should and we need to take these bad habits off. We have them. You've got them and I've got them and we want to deal with them. And so that's what he's talking about. And the first one there, okay, the word is wrath. Actually, to be honest with you, if we were to really be technical, the word wrath and the word anger, which are two words in this list, might be more accurately reversed insofar as the meaning of the word. But we'll just use the word uh, wrath there. It's a kind of an abiding, settled, and habitual anger. Um, John 3.36 is one of the verses I think about when we talk about wrath. John 3.36 uh, tells us the cost of rejecting the Son. He says, he who believes in the Son and that doesn't just mean that you believe Jesus lived. Doesn't mean it just means that 
that he dies, whatever it means, believe in, trust in, rely on him, uh, put your faith in him. He who believes in, trusts in, relies on the son has eternal life, not just life eternal as duration, but life that is life from God that opens your heart, that gives you uh, connection with the Lord. This is life eternal. What Jesus said in his high priestly prayer, that they might know thee, the only true God. And so this is um, this is eternal life that comes, he says, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son, and that's a valid, that's a good translation, who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. God's anger abides on him. And so here is a very severe warning dealing with the wrath of God, to believe in him, to trust in him, to rely on him. Otherwise, his wrath can abide on you, will abide on you. It's already there. That's, why do I say that? I say that to re remind myself and to remind you that this is a serious thing that we're facing. And that is we're facing a God who is angry against sin. And that we have we are hostile many times to him. And we want to do it, that. We want to deal with that. We want to, our hearts to be sensitive to him. I do. I want my heart to be sensitive to him. I, I, I think about that a lot when I think about my life and, and I want to be fruitful. And I think about the, the, the account in John 15 of the vine and the branches. And that's what Jesus said. That if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what he will and it will be done. This is how you prove to be my disciple if you bear fruit. And this, this relationship is abiding in Christ, dwelling close to him, uh, making room in your daily schedule for him. Put that as a priority. And it might mean that you have to do what I did, and that is go to bed earlier so that you can get up a little bit earlier to spend time with him because it's so important. And uh, when you do that, it my experience is, I'm going to give you my experience, and that's not probably not the best way to do it, but my experience is when you do that, it gives you a purpose for your day. It gives you joy and hope because you've spent time and with the Lord and been in his presence. It does. It does make a difference. I know you can't always do it. Um, Saturday morning, I had to go to work at 6 o'clock, so I didn't even do my Bible reading. I did a little bit of prayer, but it was just not, nothing that I wanted to do. I wanted to pray longer than that, but I couldn't. But that happens sometimes. But most of the time, I can invest good time. And it does make a difference. And I know you understand that. It does make a difference in your walk with the Lord. So that's the, the idea. Romans 2, 5 and 6, talking about wrath, talks about a day of wrath. It says, uh, you're, because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. That day of wrath and the, the unfolding of God's righteous judgment is the judgment that will be before his throne. And that's a very serious thing, and that's coming. That's coming. And so I, I, I don't want to face that. And I want the Lord Jesus, who is, and, and I will read that in just a minute, a couple of verses on, but I want the Lord Jesus to take care of that wrath um, in fact, uh, 1 Thessalonians 
talks about waiting for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. Jesus is the one that rescues us from the wrath to come. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God to him. So you're fearing God's wrath. Come to Jesus. Come to the Lord and trust him. Really begin to get to know him and spend time with him. That, that's that's really, really important. The second word uh, that is in that, and that's the second word is anger. And that has to do with um, a hot, almost a boiling over anger, if you will. Uh, Galatians 5, 19 is one verse. I'm not going to be reading many of these verses. But Galatians 5 says this in using that word. It says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality. These, by the way, just listen to these words. They describe your life and they describe my life apart from the mercy and the grace of God. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, and our word, anger, it's translated in my Bible, outbursts of anger, because it's not just anger, but it's the anger that explodes, outbursts of anger, and then he goes on to finish the list, which I will read, uh, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a list, serious list, but the one that we're focusing on here is that word anger, which is translated outburst of anger. The outburst of anger is translated to that one word, and it's just saying that the anger that he's talking about is this kind of explosive hot tempered anger that God does tell us to get rid of in our lives. Those are things in our lives and deal with that. We've had people in the church that have had tempers like that. I have a temper. I don't know that you've ever seen it, but I try to control it. I have a temper and I'm sure you do too. Uh, maybe some of us have a temper or struggle with a temper when we get behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> but anyway, we have those kind of things. Another one is the word malice, um, malignity or ill will, a kind of a, a, a desire to injure. Malice is, is um, in, in this, there are four verses that, there are many more verses that deal with this word malice, but four of them, Ephesians 4.31, Colossians 3.8, James 1.21, and 1 Peter 2.1. That's Ephesians 4.31, Colossians 3.8, James 1.21, and 1 Peter 2.1. All of them talk about this malice as being something that you need to put away from you or put aside from you or not let it be in you. It, it tells us in, in the list that those are things that, that we need to deal with malice. So this desire to hurt or to injure other people evidently is something that's possible for us to do. In fact, all of these things come out of our heart. We'll talk about that in a moment. 
um, and uh, we want to deal with them. The heart, do you get the picture that the heart is not very attractive? <laughs> it is, it really isn't. Our heart, my heart is not very attractive. And so we want to deal with those kinds of things. In Matthew 6, 33, which I always think of Elaine when I read those verses, but that was the favorite, one of her favorite verses. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. And so do not, do not worry about tomorrow. That's what he's talking about. These things, he's talking about things that, that you can worry about in your life and your, your income or your food or your clothing. He says, don't worry about those things. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The word troubles there is the word malice. And it means badness, I guess you could say. Each day has enough badness, has enough uh, worry, has enough difficulty of its own. And uh, so this is one of the things, this, this badness, this bitter, uh, bitterness toward life sometimes. Get rid of it. Don't let it seize. Don't let it fester. The next word in this list is the word slander. Um, has to do with being having a speech that is injurious. Uh, is something that is you can use to defame or destroy another person's name. Um, it it's uh, it has been translated. In fact, it is translated in many places blasphemy because it has to do. With saying defamation things, things of deformatory types toward God. Uh, Mark 7 21. For from within, listen to this, you want to talk about your heart. For from within, out of the heart of men. Now, notice that's a universal statement. It's everybody. This is our heart. Out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, and here's our word, slander, as well as pride and foolishness. All of these things proceed from within and defile a man. If you want to look that verse up yourself, you can look it up at Mark 7, 21 and 23. It's not a pretty picture, but it's an accurate picture. We don't like to see ourselves like that. I had a friend in California, a real good friend, and uh, we used to have a Bible study. Actually, it wasn't at his house. It was at a good friend's house, but he was the one that led the study. And we came together one night. Uh, I guess he would call blocks, Bible. So remember the blocks, Bible. We we were uh, came together one night, and he looked like he had, he was happy. He was miserable, just miserable. And I said, Kevin, what what's the matter? He said, Well, I've been asking the Lord to show me my heart, <laughs> and it's not very attractive. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not. He's absolutely right. It's not. But it's an accurate picture where our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Um, the next one in that list, and we need to hurry, is abusive speech, foul speaking. Um, this is the only one that is not repeated anywhere else in the New Testament. This abusive speech is low, obscene. It, it actually 
in in uh, some in the culture, not in the scripture, but in the culture, it has been associated with foul and filthy speech. But it's the only one there. But it says to put that away in this list. It says to put that away. So if you if you have a tendency, and we all do, our mouths work real good, and a lot of times they they start saying things that we don't mean what they say, especially if you get angry or something happens and you something comes out. It's, Work on that, put that away. And then the last one is do not lie. Um, <clears throat> Satan is a liar. He is the, the father of lies. The book of Genesis alone, if you want to go through that, you can find that Satan is the one that lied and deceived Adam and Eve. Uh, Cain lied to God after killing Abel. Abraham lied about claiming that Sarah was his sister instead of his wife. And Sarah lied to the angelic visitors about not laughing when she did laugh when he talked about her having a son. Isaac lied by denying that Rebecca was his wife, and Rebecca and Isaac lied in their scheme to defraud uh, Esau of his birthright. Uh, remember that um, John 8, and this is my last verse says you are the father said Jesus said you are of your father the devil and you want to do the desires of your father he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth that's because there is no truth in him whenever he speaks a lie he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. So if you have a struggle with lying, remember that the Bible does say that lies, one of the people that are going to be going to the lake of fire happens. All of them. Uh, Titus tells us that God cannot lie. And uh, so this is a list of things that I've given you that scripture gives us. It's not a pretty list. But they're in our heart. Now, I do have another question. If you look at that list and you see parallels between that and your life, and I do in mine, I'm not standing up here pointing the finger at you and saying I have arrived that I have not. Those things are in my life too. But the Lord Jesus is the one that delivers us from that power and from that obscene destiny. And that we do not have to end up in that lake or whatever. So, um, I urge you and encourage you to really seriously his call, his challenge to us. Um, when you're alone, get your Bible and just ask the Lord that help you see and understand. John's gospel is a good place to begin because if you're reading the scripture, it points you to Jesus and it's in Christ that you can find life. Okay. Father, I do thank you for. <laughs> I do thank you for this morning, for these words. And you tell us these things because they're true. You tell us these things because we are in very bad shape. And we just really need a heart transformation. And the only one that can give us that heart transformation is you. You can take away a stony heart. And you can give us a tender heart, a heart of flesh. And so I pray that you'll be working in our lives and help us to really seek your face, to run, to flee to the cross, and to flee to the Savior. For he is merciful 
and he is gracious. He is long-suffering, and we want to find in him the grace that will change our lives and make us more like the Lord Jesus. And I pray this in his name. Thanks, Lord. Amen.